Uh, you know, I love Celebration Church for many reasons, but let me just give you a couple. Number one, we get the blessing and the power, and we get the preached word and all of its uh, glory and all of its positiveness and all of its uh, uh, beauty. And we also get the other side, and that is we get the preached word on repentance, the preached word on, on discipleship, and all of those things put together. We get a balanced word. Um, that's not true in every church. We get a balanced word. Um, and then a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Frankie's father, he uh, uh, gave a seminar for the ladies. And in that seminar, he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit um, and all of these wonderful things that we believe in as a Spirit-filled church. And I, I appreciate that so much. And I'm going to be speaking on prayer tonight and much of my prayer, my wife's prayer when we get together. Um, we pray in the Spirit. How many pray in the Spirit here? We pray in the Spirit. Um, and that's about half of our praying. We pray in the Spirit for a while. We pray in the understanding. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray in the understanding. And so we get a balanced word. Um, I love to come to this church because uh, Pastor Frankie is so interesting in his preaching style. And I, I, it's so, it's so I, I hate to say entertaining, but it's so interesting. And in that context, he preaches the Word and gets right down. And, and I learn something every time I come. Now, I've been in ministry for 50 years, but I learn something, and I write it down. I, I make all kinds of notes because I appreciate Pastor Frankie's preaching. It's something that is refreshing and something that just feeds me every time I come. Um, and I love to come to this church because of all God's wonderful people. I enjoy the fellowship here. We look forward to coming every Wednesday that we possibly can make it every Sunday. And uh, I enjoy the, the wonderful sense of God's presence among God's people. Um, and I, uh, we, we thoroughly enjoy Him, and we enter into the worship. I want to tell you, uh, Isaiah and team, they bring us to the gates of heaven every time. And, and, and we linger right in the gates of heaven. Um, we have a sense of God's presence so mighty. Um, and there's hardly a time, friends, um, that we uh, leave this parking lot um, that Cheryl and I don't say, wow, they did it again. Huh. They did it again. They brought us right to the gates of heaven, and uh, they ministered to us in a beautiful way. I want to tell you something. As a pastor for many years, uh, I want you to know that's not by accident. That's because they saturate their ministry in prayer. That's because they, they play skillfully, and they minister to the Lord as well as to us in a beautiful way. Well, I could go on and on about uh, this church, but I want you to know we appreciate it. We appreciate each one. Appreciate uh, Pastor Frankie just uh, uh, welcoming us with open arms. Um, and I appreciate this church uh, for Pastor Frankie's emphasis on prayer. I love it. And you know that if you've been coming here any time at all, it's been prayer. It's been an emphasis on prayer. Um, and a few months ago, he uh, put this uh, little stick man on the board. Um, 
And some of you may remember, I believe it was on a Wednesday night, and he put this little stick man on the board, okay? Um, and he explained uh, that this trajectory right down here um, was one of a uh, low angle um, because uh, uh, there was no real prayer life. He said if you ask that person if they had a prayer life, um, uh, they would kind of stutter around because having a prayer life uh, means that you have a prayer discipline, you have a time and a place and an appointment with God, and you keep that, and there's a prayer discipline in your life. And so it's not just prayer every once in a while when I get in a jam, but it's prayer as a discipline daily to the Lord. And in that context, we have victory. Well, this person lacks that, and so he kind of bumps along. Oh, yes, he's a wonderful person, and he loves the Lord um, and a lot of good things, um, but there's no real powerful spiritual victory. I want to tell you something. If you don't pray, the devil will. Say, Pastor, you missed it there. I'm telling Pastor Frankie, no. If you don't pray, P-R-A-Y, the devil will pray, P-R-E-Y. And you'll find yourself so taken up with the everyday cares of life and the things that divert you and the things that detour you and keep you down at a low level. But this person here, his, his prayer trajectory and therefore his life projection goes up sharply. And in that that context, this person is the one who pulls down the strongholds of the enemy. That per this person is the one um, who in Jesus' name uh, resists the devil. Um, this person is one, according to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, um, is one who wrestles um, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the air. Um, and if Pastor Frankie was up here, he'd be doing this, um, and he'd be getting them in a headlock. Um, I want <laughs> Where's Pastor Frankie when I need him, right? I want to tell you something. This is the person that has a prayer life. And in that prayer life, he lives a life of productivity for the kingdom. He moves mountains. And another thing that he does, he opens up the windows of heaven so that a blessing can pour down on himself and his family and the people around him. He is a person of anointing. And it all comes back, friends. It all comes back to that prayer life. I love to speak on prayer. I love to speak on prayer because I believe that prayer is our best, uh, best opportunity for a successful life. I believe prayer is our best opportunity for a successful life. James 5.16, and our pastor quotes it a lot in the latter part, James 5.16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now the amplified of that says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, which is dynamic in its working. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, which is dynamic in its working simply means to me, if you position yourself 
in a prayer posture. You have a prayer discipline in your life. It's like positioning your automobile when you gas it up. You don't stop too soon. You don't go sailing past the pump 20 feet on there. You, don't, you, don't, you, you position yourself about that far from the pump so that you can put the power into your car. Having a prayer life positions you to have that powerful moving of God in that heart that, that makes tremendous power available in your life. That power's available, but you've got to position yourself in order for that to happen. I believe that we pave our way in prayer if we have a prayer life. We pave our way in prayer. Our life can be much smoother. Our life can be much more successful. Our life can be much more joyful if we'll pave our way in prayer, prepare our tomorrows in prayer, if you please. And if we do that, I believe that it's easy to live for God. It's easy. You say, Pastor, I don't know about that. Christian life's a hard life. It's a tough life. Well, I won't tell you what the Bible says. Jesus said in Matthew 11, He said, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and you shall find rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I always say if you've got a hard yoke and your life is hard and you just can't hardly make it and your head's down all the time, take inventory. Jesus said, I'll bear those burdens. Jesus said, your yoke is easy and and your burden is light if you'll just yoke up with me. I believe that comes back to prayer. If we develop a prayer life, we pave our way in prayer. We take that best opportunity and we pray. We develop a disciplined prayer life. I believe that we can have all the blessings that God wants us to have in that context. Someone said, His his is the power, and ours is the prayer. His is the power, ours, ours is the prayer. So without Him, we cannot, and without us, He will not. There's many a thing that's never done for God because God has left it up to us. Ezekiel 22, 30, the Bible says, I sought for a man who would stand in the gap and make up the hedge, some intercessor, but I found none, therefore judgment came. And so we want to be those of prayer, if you please. I lost my father, and what I want to do tonight, I want to give you a few snapshots of our lives, okay? My wife and myself, Cheryl myself, and also uh, before we met each other. I want to give you just a few snapshots um, by way of testimony. Um, and it's not about us. Um, it's about answered prayer. It's not about us. Uh, it's about God's grace uh, and Him pouring Himself uh, and into our lives and, and into our, our needs. Um, and so I want to share just a few testimonies tonight, and it's all about answered prayer. Um, my father was killed in a train wreck when I was eight years of age. And what it did for me, just briefly, is it drove me into Christ. I was saved when I was eight. I'll tell you, I was saved. Never underestimate the spiritual experience of a child. 
I was indelibly born again. I turned around and witnessed. I was a tremendous witness at just eight years of age. I was so changed in my heart. And so there came into my life that brand new experience with Jesus. And I, I, I learned to pray. I don't know. I, nobody mentored me. Nobody told me how. But I, I would get with Jesus. And I would talk to Jesus. And I I would commune with Jesus. I remember laying on my bed just a kid, and I'd, there'd be tears streaming down my face, and I, and I got so close to Jesus. And the other day, God reminded me of a little chorus that I learned as a kid, and that chorus goes like this. I found the answer. I learned to pray. With faith to guide me, I found the way. The sun is shining for me today. Because I found the answer, I learned to pray. Somehow, in my, in my, in my youth, in, in my childhood, I learned to pray. And God uh, answered a lot of our prayer, um, and many of my prayers. Uh, we have been married 53 years. Correction, correction. 53 wonderful years. I want you to know, you know, the world says the honeymoon is the greatest, and then it just kind of settles down from there. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says, say not the former things are better than these, for better is the end of a thing than the beginning. I want to tell you something. It gets better. We have more joy. We have, and now we have more time to enjoy one another. Go places. Do things. Talk about those great memories. We have four children, the oldest of which has been a missionary to Germany for about 25 years. Then we have three wonderful girls. And all of these precious children have just blessed our lives in so many different ways. We have nine grandchildren, as Isaiah said, and each one of them is very, very special. We are very, very blessed. I want you to know uh, that we, ha we were, mo uh, Mom and I, yeah, Cheryl and I were childhood sweethearts. And if I was to tell you how old she was, you'd say I robbed the cradle, and you'd be right. You would absolutely be right. But you know what? Our first dates were all at church. And so we just kind of snuck a handhold every once in a while, you know, and looked at each other. And, uh, and speaking of church, uh, she would get up in church, uh, and um, she had this fireball testimony. Those were the days when we had testimony services. And so she'd give this fireball testimony about what God was doing, you know, just to, uh, and, and, and then she would always end um, with Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I look at her, and I said, Lord, I want to spend my life with that girl. You see, every morning when I wake up, God reminds me he's still answering that prayer. Some prayers have long tails on them, and he answers them continually, ongoing answer to prayer, and I'm still enjoying the fruit of that prayer today. And we know that we need to make our major decisions in prayer, make our major decisions, someone said, on your knees. When it came time for us to get married several years later, I want you to know Cheryl was this young uh, 
teenage preacher preaching all over the place. And she had a social life second to none. She was dating these Bible college young men and promising young men. And she had a great social life. And I had my motorcycle. Talk about opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> but you know, when we got together, we clicked in the spirit. And so when it came time for us to think about, seriously think about marriage, what did we do? We prayed. We sought God. And every time I'd pray about it, I'd feel really good. And then if I'd get away from that a little bit, I'd, feel I'd kind of get cold feet. But I want to tell you, my wife never, never wavered in her commitment. And so we also needed, of course, her parents to acquiesce to that. And they weren't too sure about that guy on the motorcycle because there were all these other promising people. But I want to tell you something. God knows the future. Make your major decisions on your knees and you'll be able to look back at the good decision that you made according to God's ways. And so one day she sat, she was praying, fasting and praying, and God spoke to her and said, go to the piano. And she went to the piano and God immediately gave her a song that clinched it all. And her parents said, okay, Miriam. And we got their permission. And this was the song, and I had her jot it down just a few minutes ago. And it's entitled, God Made You For Me. God Made You For Me. And this she got instantaneously, spontaneously. She sat down at the piano, and God gave her the tune and everything. God made you for me, that together we His will might see, that all of our days would be happy and gay, for God made you for me. All of our dreams He'll fulfill as we climb o'er earth's highest hill. And the rest of our days, we will offer our praise to the one who made you for me. Our love is true that we know, and to others our love we will show. For our love is pure gold and will never grow old, for God made you for me. Our wedding day is here. And she sang this to me in the wedding. Our wedding day is here, and the Lord, he is standing near. For the Lord he ordained that we come in his name, for he made you for me. And uh, I, I want to emphasize, amen, amen, praise the Lord. I want to emphasize, make your major decisions on your knees. Get it from God, and then you can look back, as we can look back, on the blessing of the Lord. And so, after we got married, I was in the United States Navy at the time. We got married, and my ship was in dry dock in San Francisco, and we were there one month, and then we, my commander gave me three days, just three days, to go down to Long Beach, get an apartment, and then be back up at the ship because the ship was going out on sea trials, and then we were to take a tour, which turned out to be nine months, uh, nine months tour overseas. Well, so we, the first day, we, we used most of the day just traveling down, and we got a, a newspaper or two and underlined 
these things, and that was uh, the 1963 B.C., before computers. So, and so we got the newspaper, and uh, we underlined a few things, and the next morning we started out with, with anticipation, and the first department we looked at was so nice. It had drapes. It had all the, uh, the furnishings, the stuff my wife was so used to and had grown up with beautiful, uh, except that we couldn't even begin to afford it on Navy pay. Well, it went downhill from there, and we looked and looked, and some places were roach infested, others were in terrible neighborhoods. And you got you to understand, this is my bride of one month. I was about to leave for nine months overseas. What was I to do? And so after looking all day, this place, that place, we pulled over to the side of the road, and we started crying out to God. It, the time was running out, and I sure didn't want to be AWOL. And so we, we were in a jam. We, we prayed. We prayed. We prayed desperately. The Bible says when you pray with all of your heart, he'll show you great and mighty things which you know not, Isaiah 33, 3. And so we prayed. And then we heard a little pecking on the window. And, and through our tears, we saw a little lady, and we rolled the window down, and she said, are y'all still looking for an apartment? It was the same lady that was the landlord of the very first apartment we looked at. And she said, if you're handy and you're willing to work around the place, she said, I'll make you a deal. Well, that deal turned out to be we didn't, probably didn't pay anything for that apartment when all was said and done. She paid us for some of the things. And plus, she was a lonely lady just gone through a divorce, and she loved my wife, and she invited her over for all kinds of exotic food, um, and God did it. Now, I want to tell you something. We did not know where we were parked, um, but God knew, uh, and she looked out of her window at that right moment. Um, I want to tell you, God answers prayer. Uh, he does miracles uh, on a practical level. Couldn't have been any more practical than that, um, and so we had a wonderful place uh, to stay, but it doesn't stop there because every time someone came over, and we did a lot of ministry in that apartment. Um, anytime, uh, anytime someone came over, um, we were uh, we were happy to tell them. They'd say, "Oh, wow! How do you afford to live in this place?" Um, and we'd tell them what what God did. And so the testimony went on. Um, you see, we get answers to prayer not just for us. Uh, we get answers to prayer for other people so that we can bless other people. We can tell how good God is, if you please. Um, and so we need to know that God has something for us uh, that's very special. came time to get out of the Navy. Um, we didn't know where to go, what to do. We desperately needed guidance. Um, and so we're praying, um, God where shall we go? What shall we do? And we kept up a prayer life. We kept, we prayed together. We had a disciplined prayer life together, and we paved our way in prayer. And so we came up to that juncture of our life, and we said, God, where should we go? And God gave my wife a vision, a very fleeting vision of a church that was very unusual because it had uh, between the wall, between the foyer and the sanctuary was all glass, all glass wall. And so, uh, and then God impressed on our hearts um, to go to Tulsa. I'd never been to Tulsa in my life. 
And we found that church. It was in that church God began to deal with me about surrendering my life to the Lord. Brother Charles Greenaway, powerful missionary, then to Africa came. And he'd preach, and he'd say things like, Mister, it's not the cross that you need to be afraid of. It's the absence of the cross that you need to be afraid of because Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. You need to have a cross in your life and you need to bear that cross and do things for God. He'd say, mister, someday God's going to look through all those pretty leaves and if he doesn't see any fruit, there's going to be judgment coming. He'd say things like, go ahead and save up all your money and build that estate. And he said, when, you're, when you die, your kids will fight over it and they'll become lifelong enemies. And I want to tell you, that all spoke to me. That spoke strongly. And so I went down to the altar and I said, Lord, whatever you want, whatever. I give myself to you. It's like the potter and the clay. Lord, I just want to be molded, made, whatever, whatever. And so we went down to Bible school in Waxahachie, Texas. And I I didn't know, but I would go back to my job in a year. They gave me a year leave of absence. Had a good job with McDonnell Douglas in Tulsa. And I liked my job, but I said, I'm going to go and just be sit at the feet of Jesus for a year. Just sit at the feet of Jesus. And in that context, um, I took all Bible courses because I didn't know if I was going to finish or not. Um, and, uh, we were, uh, and we were volunteering at an orphanage. Um, and uh, that we took care on the weekends of 14 uh, little boys. We had a little family uh, of boys. Um, and so we, 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 we were there uh, every weekend. Um, and this one weekend, Cheryl couldn't make it. I was by myself, and they had a, a, a children's evangelist. Um, and that evangelist, he spoke to those kids like they were grown-ups. Um, and he preached to those kids. He had them up at the altar. Um, some of those little ones were getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were crying, praying to God. Um, the power of God was moving in a powerful way, and I was sitting back uh, or standing back a few rows, um, and uh, God spoke to me in my ears. I heard it in my, it's the only time I've ever heard the voice of God um, in my ears. Um, it was so frightened me. I turned around and looked, and there was no one there. Um, and I, I, I dropped to my seat, um, and I said, God, um, I give it to me in your word. Um, and I flipped open the Bible, and I'm not, I'm not advocating this um, as a practice, but I flipped open the Bible, um, and there was Second Timothy chapter uh, 2 and verse number 4. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so God answered prayer, and we finished up Bible school, and then we said, where are we going to go from here? And uh, we didn't know where to go. Some of my colleagues, they, they had all these things lined out, and uh, they, some of them were preachers' kids, and some of them doing, was going to do evangelistic work, and they seemed to have it all together. But you know what? I didn't, we didn't have it. We just didn't know where we were going to go. We prayed. Um, and we prayed, and, and along came Brother Olean from our headquarters who spoke about a tremendous need in the Philippines and in Germany. And so we knelt down, and we said, God, 
what shall it be? And God just dropped it in our hearts so strong, so powerful um, that we should go to Germany. But we should go right away. Um, just go right away. Just pick up and go. Um, and we got our passports real quick, um, and we took off for New York. Um, and uh, along the way, we did not have the money for a, a plane ticket to go to Germany. But along the way, we visited Cheryl's brother, who was in the Navy at the time in Washington, D.C. Um, and he got us to serve. He was very active in his church, and he got us to service on Wednesday night. They, they took up an offering. We bought a one-way ticket. Um, we went to Luxembourg. Um, and in Luxembourg, um, they took our passport because we didn't have a round-trip ticket. We had no way to support ourselves. Um, all of these things, we didn't think. We were just going to go and do a work for God. And so we're in this Luxembourg airport. It's about midnight. And we had prayed and, and, and we'd done everything that we could do. And we said, Lord, we believe we heard from you. And, 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 uh, the, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, go get your passports. And so I went up to the uh, customs officer that had a different one, uh, changed shifts. And he, uh, I said, I want to get my passports. And uh, so he shuffled through the desk, got the passports, stamped them for us, and then we took off uh, the next morning to Germany. Um, and God uh, hooked us up with a missionary that had made the plea for someone to come. Um, and he was happy to see us, uh, and he said, you can uh, house sit. I'm going to a, a meeting uh, for a few days, um, and you can have a place here. And in, in that context, he said, here's a, a phone number almost after the fact. Here's a phone number of Carl Christner in Mannheim. And Mannheim was about 60 miles away from Frankfurt. And we got on train and we went down there. And uh, I got on the phone, and Carl, who was a motor pool sergeant in the, in the United States Army, he said, uh, oh, he said, I'll send a, a, a driver down. He'll pick you up, and he'll come, uh, and he'll bring you to my place. We went to that, uh, that apartment. Um, we met Carl Christner and his wonderful wife, young people in the United States Army, um, and we talked for just about five minutes, and we found ourselves on our knees. And he said, two weeks ago, this is why we were in Texas, two weeks ago, God spoke to me and said, there's a young couple coming, and we are to help you. I want to tell you something. Prayer will pave your way. Prayer will do things on the opposite end of, of, of the journey, and and work in your life as well, and bring things together. And so in the context of prayer, we got started off in a powerful way. He helped us to get a car, helped us get an apartment. And in, in those early days, we, uh, we had a, a little bit of money in our pocket, and then we ran out of money. No one knew that we were faith missionaries. We were just trusting God. And in that context, uh, one day we, uh, we had a, uh, a crisis because all we had was about 20 D-marks, which is about, then about 5 or $6. And that's what we had. And so uh, Cheryl said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get a few groceries. We had two little children, ages uh, four and five at the time. And uh, so here, here we are. We don't have any funds, but you know what? 
I, I was praying, and we were praying, and I, as I was praying, and Cheryl went down to the uh, corner store, uh, uh, Carl Christner knocked on the window. Now, now in Germany, um, many times, uh, the apartment uh, window will be here, and then there'll be a small sidewalk, and then the uh, the street, and so uh, he pulled right up to the window, uh, knocked on the window, and he said, um, "Open up the window. I got some stuff for you." And he began to throw in uh, cans of spam, uh, dried apples, dried fish, uh, dried steak, or uh, dehydrated, and all kinds of groceries. I'll tell you enough to feed an army. Um, They're trying to get rid of this stuff so that they can get a new supply in. Um, and we threw it in, and, and little Rick was with me five years of age, and we were trying to find places for all of this stuff and running around and doing just as fast as we possibly could. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, he he shut the window and he was gone. Well, Cheryl came in with about a little bag about this much, had a few things in it, and she looked at all of that stuff for perfect timing. I think God has a sense of humor. Perfect timing. And she came in and she looked at all of that stuff. I mean, it was enough to feed an army, literally. And, and she said, where did this come from? And little Ricky, five years of age, he said, jumping up and down, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. I want to tell you something. That made an indelible impression on his little heart. And, and as I said before, he'd been a missionary to Germany for 25 years now. I want you to know um, prayer is that which will help us uh, to know God's will for our lives. Uh, now, uh, I am almost running out of time, but I can tell you so many different things um, in which uh, that, that God did. Um, we got four or five coffee houses going. We saw people come to Christ literally by the hundreds. It was a critical time in, in, in the drug scene and, and the military, and they didn't know what to do with all this. And we were commissioned to be a rehab center, and they would assign army people to us, and we would pray with them, and we saw many delivered. We saw many healed of their past, and, and all kinds of things happened. We saw people come to Christ, German young people come to Christ, uh, just tremendous numbers of people. We were on German television. We were on uh, American television. Uh, God just did unbelievable things to catapult us um, into a ministry that we we wouldn't have even thought about. Um, Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that you uh, can receive more than you can ask or even think. And we were living in that. Um, and then uh, came, uh, come time we had to have a bigger place um, and God arranged um, and I, I could go into detail, don't have time, but God arranged for us to get a 37 room mansion um, and we uh, we uh, uh, made that place, converted that place into a powerful place of ministry and all kinds of powerful things. And then we came back to the States and, and built a, and pastored and built a couple of churches and, and all kinds of things, I believe, because of prayer. Pave your way in prayer. Not just send up little emergency prayers when the going gets tough, but pave your way in prayer. Have a disciplined prayer life. And in that context, we can expect the things to move 
from in God's will and in God's ways, if you please. So, now, uh, I'd like the ushers to pass out, if you would, the outline, all right? And I'm going to hit just a few things. I've got about 10 minutes. So, and, and, and as we do that, I want you to know that we're going to... Uh, no, I don't have 10 minutes. I see. I, I misread that. But I want to hit on just a couple of things. Why we do not pray as we ought. Roman numeral number two. Why don't we pray as we should? The devil opposes prayer. Ephesians 6, 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the air, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a wrestling. It's work. It's something that's constant in terms of prayer against the enemy. We don't, the devil never takes a vacation, never takes any time off. And so it's, it's work to pray. And many people don't develop a prayer life because prayer is work. Prayer requires discipline. Prayer requires perseverance, if you please. Listen, I've always said if you don't like to pray, pray till you like to pray. If you don't like to pray, just can't pray till you like to pray. Yeah. And make it a point um, to move in prayer anyway, if you please. Um, and in that context, um, you will be doing yourself a favor and your family a favor as you pave your way in prayer, if you please. Um, many times we fail in a, 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 to properly appreciate the value and the productivity of prayer. Um, we somehow think God will perform even without prayer. But I want you to know God is waiting for people like yourself to develop a prayer life. And if my prayer for us is if we can raise the bar just a little bit, move the needle just a little bit, start moving toward a disciplined prayer life if you don't already have one, and make commitments. Stand up with me, would you please? I've I've completely run out of time, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to pass this outline out to you, because there's some prayer quotes on there. Uh, There's other uh, uh, prayer. uh, There's a little uh, uh, prayer uh, uh, story on there about uh, the prayerless Christian, and so on and so forth. And I I wanted you to have these. I wanted you to take them with you. But it's all about prayer. It's all about prayer. And as we make that commitment to the Lord and say, God, I want my prayer life to start moving up like this. I want my prayer life to start. I want to raise the bar on my prayer life. I want to make a commitment to you, Lord, to set aside time. And as our pastor Frankie has said many times, develop a prayer life, a time and a place and, a, and a, a, a commitment um, and a discipline of prayer um, that'll pave your way in prayer, um, that'll open up the windows of heaven for the miracles that God wants to do in your life. Um, but it's up to us. It doesn't come easy. It's work. It's discipline. But if we overcome those things and we move on and we fight every opposing force, I want to tell you something. God will do mighty things with our lives. God will do wonderful things. And then you look back, as I can look back and say, God did this. God did that. We saw this. And there are many people that are in heaven today. I want to tell you something. God is looking for each one of you 
right here. It's no coincidence you're here tonight. God looked at each one of you, and he's saying, I want you to develop a powerful prayer life. I want you to develop a discipline of prayer. And I, I, my prayer is that the, the needle will move, that the bar will be raised on your prayer life. And in that context, you'll be paving your way in prayer. I want to pray for you. Father, you know every heart that's here today. You know every life and every tomorrow of every person. You know what we're going to be facing. You know the battles. You know all, all about us, Lord. And you also said that we ought to always to pray in Luke 18, 1, and not to faint. You don't want any, any one of us to faint. You want us to be those stalwart prayer powerful people that you intend for us to be. And I pray for each one in this place today. Holy Spirit, move on every heart right now. Let there be a, 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 a resonance in our heart saying, yes, Lord, help me to develop that disciplined prayer life that will pull down the stronghold of the enemy. Father, we look to you right now in Jesus' name. I want to open up this, these altars if you'd like to come and make a commitment to the Lord. Stay for at least five minutes. Stay for at least five minutes and say, Lord, I want to develop a powerful prayer life, a disciplined prayer life, and let the Holy Spirit move in my life and through my life as never before. Let the Spirit of God begin to move in your heart. Would you come down and pray? Let the Holy Spirit just move in your heart in powerful ways. There are those here that uh, you have burdens on your heart for family members or circumstances of some kind, financial, maybe health, whatever it is, relational. I want you to know God wants to meet those needs. He'll do it in Jesus' name. Let the Holy Spirit be moving on your heart. Maybe you'd like to make a place of prayer right there where you are. And as Isaiah and the worship team play and sing, let the Spirit of God just begin to move upon you in powerful ways. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and not only be challenged, but changed into what God wants you to be as a prayer warrior for Him. In Jesus' name. Go ahead worship team and we're just going to worship God and pray and let the Holy Spirit have his way. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus.